Talking Heads is brought to you by FreshBooks. For freelancers and small business owners, FreshBooks takes the pain out of accounting. Have a question about the service? A real live human will answer every call in about three rings. Get your 30-day free trial by going to freshbooks.com talking and enter the code talking. Voters of the Hall of Fame, y'all need a T.O. And realize that high horse you're on, you don't own that. Get down, people. And welcome to the latest edition of Talking Heads. I'm Bram Weinstein in my basement in Connecticut. March 3rd's in Washington, D.C. And today is Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, Mark. Happy Valentine's Day, Bram. Did you get my uh, my little care package I sent up your way? I got a box of chocolates and it was empty. It had a syringe in it. That, was that, that from you? That was part of it. I also bought you some edible panties, but I ate most of them. So <laughs> I actually, mo- most of it probably didn't make it your way. Yeah, I got tired after eating the right thigh area. <laughs> <laughs> Delicious. Thank you for that. While we're on this topic, um, you're single in your 40s. What, what's going on here on Valentine's Day for you? <laughs> Woo! Uh, it's a lot of angry reminders that I am single in my 40s. Uh, no, you know, it's to me, when you're single at this phase of your life, you sort of get annoyed at the hallmark aspect of a day like this. Obviously, I've been in a relationship a lot on this day so you're like, oh, yeah, we'll do something special. But this is sort of a, I don't know, it, it's one of those loser reminders in my life. It's like, hey, what's up, single loser guy? Yeah, no. <laughs> we're all coupled up. What are no, you doing? No. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. You can't feel that way on Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day is, is a concocted holiday that the, we've decided to spend a lot of money on for no reason at all. And so don't feel bad about it. Thank you. Thank don't, you. I, I tell my wife not to listen to what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> right. Honey, no, I, that was just for Stern. No, 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 no. no. It's that, a big yeah. day for us. I yeah. am I am going to get a hooker later on, so I think that's probably a good way for me to go because I'll be able to connect with somebody. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I'll send you the panties back. You'll have a good night. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we are, this is, this is a very unvalentine-like, and I don't actually do this very often because I'm typically extremely protective of the media, but um, I'm going to pull a little media on media crime today. Um, I'm not happy about a couple of things that occurred this week, Um, in particular one of a guy who I don't know if he would call me an ex-colleague of his, but I would call him an ex-colleague of mine because we did work at the same radio station for a period of time. But I was very young and green. I was an intern. I just come in and he didn't know who I was. Um, Kevin Kylie is his name. And if you don't know who he is, he's been in the media forever. We'll get to him a little bit about what happened with him in Cleveland and why he had to resign over, I think, misogynist. You know, comments was part of this, but he turned it into a censorship issue. And so it's an interesting dichotomy of where we are in the media and what you're allowed to say. And I'll have a few comments on that. I'm sure you will, too, Mark. But I want to start um, with T.O. But before we get into exactly what happened with him and why he's not in the Hall of Fame, there was another story you sent me um, that I wanted to get to first, because I think it it, kind of illustrates the point that I want to get to about um, Tara Loa. This was out of um, GQ. Uh, You sent me an article where there's a guy in Cleveland by the name of Brian Garudo who was playing, he's a teenager, he was playing in some co-ed soccer league, you know, it's not serious, you know, they have rules that make it not very serious, and um, apparently he's a lot better of a player than most of the players that are in this league, and they kicked him out of the league um, because his behavior, in their opinion, had warranted, he'd become such a distraction, he was ruining the games for everybody, so they kicked him out of the league. And they sent him a very long email that detailed all the things he had done on the field um, over the course of the last couple of months as the reasons why they decided to let him go. And they, in a very nice way, they said, here are all the incidents. And if you have any questions, you can call us and ask us why we're not going to let you back on the field again. But I want to run down. But the list is so interesting and funny that I want to read to you <laughs> because someone tweeted out the email that he got so that you could see what he did to get kicked off. And here are the things. It's listed by date. Um, 12-6-15, made a phone call while playing on the field. 12-6-15, refusing to wear shin guards. 12-13-15, pretending to shoot a bow and arrow at opposing players after scoring a goal. 12-13-15, running into the goal while hiding the ball in his shirt. There's a couple more things about shin guards on here. Sitting on the opposing team's bench, removing his shirt while scoring, which is really not all that unusual. Um, Sitting on the opposing team's bench again a few days later wore a cowboy hat during a game scored 14 goals with a three goal (laughs) limit per player got a red card duh changed jerseys after receiving red card and attempted to play remainder of the match (laughs) 1 10 16 
You followed all the rules this week. 117-16, ate a banana on the field. 131-16, gave birth to soccer ball after scoring. 131-16, altered the scoreboard. 131-16, wearing natural light tank top as uniform. And that's where it ends there. Okay, so they, they had had enough of this guy. He clearly was having fun at their expense and was pushing the limits. And they kicked him out of the league. I find this funny, okay? GQ found this funny. And we were sitting here talking before the show going, we got to meet this guy, right? <laughs> I got to find out what is this guy's motivation to do the things that he was doing on a soccer field. I absolutely love this guy. I mean, it's a co-ed rec league, okay? This isn't, you know, this isn't anything that's super official. It really should be people out there going have fun. And I get it. There's probably some dudes out there that are like, come on, man, this is sports. We got to take this seriously. I love this kid. I absolutely love this kid, especially the fact that he scored 14 goals in a game. I mean, clearly, I don't know if he's got talent or whether just everybody he's playing against sucked, but I love what this kid's doing. Now, he might be a total pain in the ass in life actual, but this stuff did nothing but make me laugh. Well, or he was just so much better than everybody else that it wasn't fun, and he had to find a way to make it fun, right? I mean, there had to have been some element of that, too, because, like, does he know the rule is three goals? Maybe, maybe not. But once he got to like six or seven, the referee probably said, you better cut it out. And then he, he's like, well, now that I know that, <laughs> I think I'll double it. <laughs> right. I just, I yeah, the whole list of them, I mean, his refusal to wear shin guards, I also love that. That's like some yeah. point of principle. He's like, no, nah, man, I hate shin guards. They slow me up. The cowboy hat, the banana, making a phone call while he's playing. I mean, it's just it's so great. It's what I it's just the, the total irreverence is just like F you, man. Come on. This is for shits and grins. Let's have some fun. Then we'll go have some beers after this. Well, you know, two of the you know, some of these things happened on the same day, and one was he did take his shirt off, did sit on the bench, and scored 14 goals in the same game. Right. So so all of those things were happening at the same time, which leads me into Terrell Owens. Okay, we found that funny. All right. And I found it amusing. And I'm sure if I played for one of the other teams and this guy's making a mockery of the whole thing and there's just nobody can have any real fun here because he's doing what he's doing and he's kind of ruining it for everybody, I guess. It depends how you look at it. I guess if you're a spectator, it's hilarious. If you're playing in the games, you're probably like, I hate this guy and I want this guy to go away and let us play our game again. With Terrell Owens, there was a similar thing that was happening on the field with him for most of the teams he played for. He either blew up his own team or he blew up the other team. And he went about it in a way that was um, annoying, uh, to say the very least, um, and at times extraordinarily disruptive and rude and over the top and outside the bounds of sportsmanship that we uh, allow for to be commonplace and be acceptable. And he lived with that as his moniker. But, and this is a fact, and I defy anybody to argue it with me. Terrell Owens is one of the 10 best receivers who's ever played professional football. No question. No question. That is definitively true, right? I mean, name one reason why you can't say that that's not true. You can't. Yeah, no, he was such a beast as a talent. I mean, like you said, I don't even, I, I don't have a top 10 list of wide receivers, but I can't imagine that if I sat down and wrote it out, that he would not be in the top 10, maybe, you know, probably a little bit higher, maybe like eight or six, seven or six or something like that. But he was a phenomenal talent, maybe the best receiver of his generation. You know, people, people remember the Super Bowl he was in with the Eagles for um, him afterwards basically blowing up Donovan McNabb and basically saying that this guy was nervous and he got sick and it was the, he was the reason why we lost. He just wasn't ready to go. The, the stage was too big. People forget that Terrell Owens that year had broken his foot earlier in the year, and it was not expected that he was going to be able to recover and play. And not only did he play, he was dominant in that game. That ought to show you the testament of what level of player he was. Now, did he go about it afterwards in a way that we find acceptable as the media? No, he didn't. And then he went team to team, and he played for the Cowboys, and it was get your popcorn ready. And he cried when, when Tony Romo was getting criticized, and everyone thought that was the fakest thing anyone's ever seen. And in San Francisco, he was a royal pain in the butt, and he went to all these other places. And then he became friends with Chad Ochocinco, who sounds a lot more like this soccer player in Cleveland than T.O. ever was. He just was a menace on the field with the way that he acted. But he was so much better in general than everybody else that he got away with it. And on some level, it was kitschy, and it was funny. But we're not arguing Chad... Uh, Chad Ochocinco to get into the Hall of Fame because his numbers weren't good enough. This guy's numbers 
inarguably, I don't care if you take away all this other stuff that you talk about with Terrell Owens and the push ups in the driveway and the next question thing with Drew Rose, if you take all that stuff out, okay, there's no question that he belongs in the Hall of Fame. You just put his resume up, you say, that guy's one of the 10 best receivers, arguably one of the five best receivers of all time, the longevity, the dominance, his ability. He played with Hall of Fame players, never was, was uh, overshadowed by any of them. He was one of the best players ever at his position. It's inarguable. But when you take all this other stuff, suddenly there's a discussion about why he is not in the Hall of Fame today after he was up for the first time. And I saw a lot of reaction and a lot of people go on shows and basically say it's because he was an asshole. That's why. That's that's why. Because he was an asshole. They decided because he was an asshole, they're going to teach him a lesson, not going to put him in the Hall of Fame. You know, and I think there is that attitude. And we could do a whole show on sort of the problems, that, well, certainly that I have with the NFL Hall of Fame voting process. I mean, it's it's, yes. it's I mean, it's almost like the the papal process. They all go into a closed room. The white smoke comes out, and they're like, "Here's your guys." I mean, it, it's like, is there horse training going on? You know, how does a guy like Joe Jacoby not get in the Hall of Fame? How does Chris Carter, who was also an outstanding player, one of the best wide receivers of all time, took him what like three or four times to get in? And by the way, if you talk about Ter- Terrell Owens who was a phenomenal talent, as we said, and was a jackass doing a lot of this other stuff. Okay, you want to factor all that in? What about Marvin Harrison, okay? Marvin Harrison, I know it's all off-the-field stuff, but the stuff that he's been accused of in Philadelphia, which, as I understand it, is flat-out murder of somebody in broad daylight, and yet they're like, yeah, he can get into the Hall of Fame. But we're going we're gonna to let Terrell Owens sit on the bench for a while until we feel like he's learned his lesson for throwing popcorn out there and doing the push-up stuff and just being trying to place himself above the game. You know what's funny? You, you know what's funny about it, too? Marvin Harrison was not really um, someone who did a lot with the media. No, he didn't. He, he, he actually shied away from it. He, it I, I don't remember him doing interviews almost ever. I mean, it was a very rare, rare, rare occurrence. Terrell Owens was available yeah. every single week. And you might not have liked what he had to say, and he might not have been the friendliest to the media in there, and he was getting ripped to shreds despite the fact that every week he was performing at a very high level because he was the type of person that gave you the type of soundbite that caused problems for everybody else. Yeah. That's the type of guy he was. And because of that, the media decided to teach him a lesson as if it's their right to do that. It is not. I am not one of the people that has been afforded, you know, the luxury and the privilege of voting for the Hall of Fame. But if I was, I would have voted him in and wouldn't even have even allowed for a discussion about all this other ancillary stuff. Because I would say, what happened between the lines with that guy? He was, at the time, if not the best receiver in the NFL, he was the second best to Randy Moss over that period of time. And he clearly, by his numbers and longevity, is one of the best 10 receivers in the history of the game that is inarguable. I don't care that you didn't like him. I don't care. This is not personality contest, and it's bullshit that he is not in the Hall of Fame today, and the only reason why is because people didn't like him, and they felt like they had to teach him a lesson. Are you kidding? You know, at what point... <laughs> What right do the people who vote on this have to take this decision that they are going to teach this guy a lesson? They should not be in that position whatsoever. And this is partially why I feel like, and I hate saying this because I love the media and I love being part of it, that maybe we shouldn't be voting on this thing. You know, if that's where it's going to go, that, well, he was a jerk. Yeah, he was also one of the best players. There's a lot of jerks, okay, in a lot of professions that don't get held back because people on the outside who weren't actually in any of those locker rooms get the opportunity to determine whether he should receive an honor that he clearly deserves. I know he was a jerk. Everyone says he was a jerk. I get it. But I don't care. He's one of the best players. And if the Hall of Fame is about putting the best players in the Hall of Fame, he's one of them. So there's no lesson to be taught here other than you have harbored some kind of ill will towards this guy despite the fact that he made your livings easier for 10 years because not only was he a great player he was available to you and he said the craziest shit and made your job easy that's the truth of it he made their jobs easy for what he did yeah and 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 this role of the media being sort of this arbiter of like i have the last say and screw you athlete this isn't a new phenomenon you go back to ted williams who had a very tempestuous relationship with the media during his playing days and 
There were a couple of occasions, I, I know specifically in 1941, when he hit, hit over 400, the last guy to hit over 400, there were writers that he pissed off for the course of the season that refused to vote for him for MVP. They're like, no, I'm putting you in last place. And just because they hated him. So the guy, now DiMaggio ended up getting it because, you know, he hit in 56 straight games. And DiMaggio was a brilliant player, and I'm not saying he wasn't. But there's this attitude, and it was another time later in his career where I think he hit for the Triple Crown and he didn't win the MVP. And it was, and it was not because he wasn't great or didn't have a great year. It was because journalists were just like, hey, Teddy ball game, go F yourself. You got in my face or you wouldn't answer a question. You, you treated me like crap, and now I'm going to get you back. Yes. And I, I've always – listen, I'm, I'm part of the media – I, I love what we do, and I love the responsibility that we have, but I think too many times there's instances of guys in the media letting their personal emotions getting in the way of stuff that it has no business being in. Now, of course. Eddie Murray was the same thing. Eddie Murray. Yeah. Eddie Murray... Eddie Murray didn't have these like prob- like these these well documented team problems. No, but he he, he had a very cold. Guy. Yeah, he had a he cold relationship. He did not like the media. Yeah, he did not like talking to the media. Clearly, he's one of the best first basemen that's ever played. Oh, God, okay, yeah. that's not even in question. Okay, but because he wasn't overly friendly, there was this discussion about him, as if like that's part of the job. He has to be nice to people he doesn't know who come in and ask him anything they want at all times of the day. Like he has to be nice to those people. I always understood this relationship, okay? I had eight years I was in the Redskins locker room, and every day I went in there, I knew these guys weren't my friend, and I knew they didn't really want to talk to me, and even as familiar as they got with me, there was a boundary that I knew I couldn't cross, and you know what? Sometimes they were not going to like what I asked them, and sometimes they weren't going to be very nice to me, and sometimes there were guys that were just jerks on the team that happened to be really good players, and you live with that, but it doesn't and it cannot cloud your opinion of what they're deserved, okay, of what is deserved. And I'm sorry, but this is not a popularity contest in this case. Terrell Owens had one of the best careers of any receivers ever. You can't argue it. And if you're going to sit there and go, yeah, but he did that stupid press conference, or yeah, but he had that other thing in Dallas. Doesn't matter. Yeah, but he did. So what? Doesn't matter. Since when are you the arbiter of who is uh, who gets to go places? <laughs> you're not the arbiter of that. Yeah. You're not the judge. You're not the Supreme Court. And I'm sorry, but like, that's not fair. What happened there was not fair. It was wrong. And, and it's wrong to this guy. And I know that he was a, he was a jerk and he blew up all these locker rooms. There's a lot of guys that don't like him. It doesn't change the fact that he was one of the best players ever at his position. And to sit here and make him wait a year to get in is only done out of spite. It's because you don't like him. It's the only reason. Because you just don't like the guy. And that's stupid. That's stupid. I will say this. I thought the time that he scored a touchdown and then pretended to give birth to the football in the end zone, I yeah. thought that was brilliant. That's me personally. That's just me. I remember when he ran on the star. He ran oh, on the star in Dallas. That was, that was, that was, was that not the first thing he did? That was the first thing I noticed that he did. I was like, who's this guy? I know he's a good receiver. And all of a sudden it was like, he was like, hey, Cowboys, go fuck yourself. I mean, that was a, wow. And it was, you know what? Whether you love it or hate it, it's good for the sport because it, it gets is. people talking about it, and that's what you got to have. And that's the kind of stuff that over the years, you know, that's why it's become the no fun league because they try and outlaw all these different kind of things. And I'm sorry, man. I love Billy White Shoes Johnson. I love all that kind of stuff. Now, sometimes you get a little over the top, but you know what? You got to have that because guess what? It's a game. Let's have some fun with it. You know, there was, there, listen, there was a, one guy who's a very respected media member. I'm not going to say his name. I, was, I got into tr- Twitter wars with a lot of people about this because they were all saying, well, you know, I kept reading all this stuff saying people were basically saying, well, because he was a jerk, he didn't get in. And I'm sitting here going, I, I can't believe that you're arguing his level of jerkdom as a requirement to get into the Hall of Fame because that really should have nothing to do with the fact that his, his numbers speak for themselves. His performance speaks for itself. And your eyes ought to tell you how good he was. It didn't take, you don't have to be an expert in football to know that that guy was awesome like there's no it's not hard to tell people don't watch football would know that he was one of the most incredible receivers that's ever played the game it was ridiculous that we're even having a discussion about this he's easily going in like Brett Favre had crazy crap that happened off the field he practically blew up the Green Bay franchise for a number of years with the retirement non-retirement retirement non-retirement the extrication of it the the insinuations from the people with the Jets about the things that happened off the field with him and nobody's sitting here and even question for a second whether he should go in the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. Nobody right. questioned that for a second, you know, because clearly he's one of the best quarterbacks that's ever played, and that overwhelmed all of it. You know, all of those other things got overwhelmed. I'm reading, st- I'm not going to talk about this now because I don't think it's been vetted out enough to talk about it because it's too new, but all this latest stuff about Peyton Manning is painting him in a very ugly light right now, yeah. very ugly light, and I'm not going to get into all of it, but I bet you, unless we hear something different about him over the next few weeks, 
in a few years when he's up for the Hall of Fame, none of that's going to come up. None of it. Not a, not a, not a second of it's going to come up for him in terms of the Hall of Fame. But for some reason, because Terrell Owens was apparently a jerk, and the media decided they need to, they need to be Supreme Court justices here and teach this guy a lesson. For the sake of who? I mean, who, who are you teaching this lesson to by sitting there and stomping your fist down saying, we're going to show this guy? You're going to show him what? His career's over. He's not playing anymore. There's no receiver in the league going, well, I better calm down or else I might not get into the Hall of Fame. Nobody's, there's no lesson to be taught here, you know, except that you are a spiteful person yourself, that you wrote down in your notepad, I'm going to get this guy when he comes up for the Hall of Fame. That's all that shows me. You're a spiteful person because if you didn't vote for him, then you're not a football fan because that guy's a Hall of Famer. I don't care what you say. He is. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer today. He'll be a Hall of Famer next year or whenever you guys get off your high horse and let him in. You know, as podcasters, we appreciate the value of time, your time specifically. So if you're a freelancer or a small business owner, stop wasting your time hunched over your accounts. Let FreshBooks do the heavy lifting so you can get out and grow your business. For a better way to manage your books and make tax season easy, try FreshBooks, a cloud accounting software designed exclusively for service-based small business owners. It's the personal accountant you've always needed right in your pocket. FreshBooks is fast. You can create and send an invoice in 30 seconds. It's easy for customers to pay online, and FreshBooks clients get paid five days faster than average. If you got a question about the service, just contact their award-winning support team and get help from real live humans. They will answer that call in about every three rings, no phone tree, no, let me escalate that. No, I'll get back to you. Just helpful service at the drop of a hat. Right now, FreshBooks is offering my listeners 30 days of unrestricted use, totally free. And if you don't have a credit card, you don't need one. You won't have to use it to sign up. To get this 30-day free trial, just go to freshbooks.com talking. Enter talking in the how you heard about us section. That's freshbooks.com talking and enter promo code talking. And welcome back to Talking Heads. I'm Bram Weinstein in my basement in Connecticut. Mark Sturt is in Washington, um, D.C. So um, I think Kevin Kiley preceded you, right, at the radio station? You yes. were not there when he was there in Washington, D.C.? Because we both worked at the same station there, and I was either an intern or a, or a young employee. I was definitely an intern when Kevin Kiley worked in Washington, and I might have been like... Might have been in my early years as an employee as just an update anchor there when he had a show with this guy named Chuck Booms called Kylie and Booms. I'm not sure. I can't really totally remember, but I did cross over with him. I just didn't know him very well, but you didn't know him at all, right? No, I, I just I knew him because he was on the air here in D.C., and um and 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 I would listen to his show. Was you know, you know, WTEM was the only sports talk radio station back then here in Washington. And I, so I remember from that. But by the time I joined the radio station in two thousand one, uh, he was not a part of the lineup at that point. So we continue our media on media crime here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was very angry at the Hall of Fame voters in the last. Segment. I really and I typically I actually I really don't like to go this way because I do respect the profession. And, yeah. you know, and it means a lot to me that I'm part but it just of it. makes and, it makes everybody look petty. It makes people look petty, Bram. And yes. it's like they should rise above that and be like, look, OK, he might have been curt with me in a Q&A or something like that. Or he did something I didn't like. But you have to put all that stuff aside and say, does his work on the field show that he should be in the Hall of Fame? Yes or no. If the answer is yes, then he's in. Yeah, that's it. Especially if you're if you're in the job of reporter. And I still believe that reporter reports the news, okay? Reports the news. And for them to turn around and then cast this judgment on them, then they're being two-faced about what their job is. That's the bottom line of it. If you're a columnist, okay, you know, you were paid to give your opinion. But I still don't think the opinion should ever have turned to, we're going to keep this guy out to send a message. Send a message to who? To him? Personally? Like, he knows he belongs in the Hall of Fame, and you know he belongs in the Hall of Fame. And there's, and like, DeAndre Hopkins isn't watching that going, whoop, I better watch my P's and Q's for the rest of my career. You know, yeah. nobody, nobody's taking that. Whatever message they think they're sending, it's not getting to anybody that matters. No, and, and he's going to be in the Hall. That's the thing. It's That's like he's not. part. Right, he's going to be in the Hall. It's just like, oh, you're going to make him wait outside? Oh, he'll learn his lesson now. 
It's like, shut up. They, they do it in the, the Hall of, of Fame for baseball, too. The dumb, whoever the dumb idiot is who didn't vote for Ken Griffey Jr. It's like, <laughs> come right. on. Like, you, so you, so someone had to raise their hand and say, I'm going to be the guy who isn't going to vote for him because we have some stupid rule that no one gets 100% of the votes, even though who the hell wouldn't vote for Ken Griffey Jr. to be in the Hall of Fame? Like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, right. you're an idiot. You're right. an idiot. If you don't think he's a Hall of Famer, then you shouldn't vote on it. <laughs> Right. You yeah. shouldn't vote on it. Who's watching him play and be like, eh, you know what? I don't, I don't know. know. He, can wait. he can wait a year because no so, one should right. get in unanimously. Right. Like, like, someone should actually vote against Derek Jeter getting into the Hall of Fame. I can't wait to see that. Like, what yeah. are you, an asshole? Like, what is yeah. wrong with you? Yeah. Like, he's one of the greatest players ever. Like, how would he not get in? That's crazy. Yeah. No, total joke. Yeah. Um, but back to Kevin Kiley. So Kevin Kiley's been in radio and television forever. You, you may know remember him from a lot of college football coverage he used to do. Um, nationally, I don't really know what he does in TV anymore, and I didn't know he was in Cleveland. He was in Washington for a long time. Um, when I was there, when I was young in my career, I was working at the station, and I was either an intern or a young employee. I don't really remember how we crossed over, but I only maybe met him once or twice, and I never worked on any of his shows, so I never really knew him at all, and he's moved around a lot, and he's most recently been in Cleveland, Ohio. Um and recently he resigned his position as a sports radio host for one of the stations there. Um, and he claims uh, he has turned the conversation into um, he's not going to be censored and therefore he is resigning. But a number of the things that he said um, leading up to the problems that he ran into and in saying I'm not going to be censored revolved around, around women in sports and what their role, I guess, is in his mind. And uh, of the two things that really have gotten him in trouble, one of them was he highly criticized the Bills' promotion of Catherine Smith to an actual coaching position um, on uh, under Rex Ryan. She's the first, you'll recall Dr. Jen Welter was the first part-time coach during um, training camp for the Arizona Cardinals last year. I think she worked with linebackers or something like that. She was an arena player um, and a sports psychologist and, and very accomplished you know, football athlete you know, psychologists, all that stuff in, in the realm of sports. Catherine Smith, apparently, I didn't never heard of her, but apparently she's been working in organizations in a coaching capacity um, behind the scenes, not a f- upfront, you know, face coach for years. And um, everyone who knew her has been applauding this move by Rex Ryan because it's you know landmark move by a team to do that, to place a, whim- a woman in that type of position. And also said that she deserves it. You know, this isn't, you know, this isn't a stunt, you know, that she's very much deserving of this and that the player's going to do well with her and whatever. You know, listen, the Spurs did it with Greg Popovich, did it last year with Becky Harmon, who's an assistant coach with him. Um, And she was coaching the summer league this year with the Spurs, you know. So here's the champion team. You know, it was easy for the champion team to do that because how could you question Greg Popovich? You really can't. You can question a lot of things Rex Ryan has done in his career, but everyone has applauded this. Kevin Kiley basically came out and was like, this is ridiculous. No woman should ever coach men's football it just it shouldn't happen and then the other one that he had basically said was actually about the hall of fame where he said he doesn't believe women should vote on it because they would have no real understanding of it because they don't understand the physical strife that a body goes through and therefore they couldn't comprehend you know what would be the criteria by which someone would get into the hall of fame to which i would say look at what happened to terrell owens and tell me that the guys in the room understood what was going on because they don't but that's besides the point to me, yeah. <laughs> to me, he's so far behind the times. Is his because he's been on radio long enough that he knows how to um, embrace debate would probably be the best way to put it. With the way that ESPN has kind of uh, signified being able to politicize yourself, he has politicized this as he's being censored, and that's why he's resigning instead of facing head on um, at best misogynistic thoughts. Um, and at worst, um, you know, really out of touch uh, with where the world is right now. I mean, to yeah. think that a woman couldn't vote for the Hall of Fame and, and couldn't use any kind of standard of understanding um, to make criteria by which to vote when half the people or more in that room, probably 75 percent of them, they never played football either. Um, I, I don't even understand where he's coming from by saying something like that. Yeah. I, I, to me, it now, listen. Everybody is obviously has the freedom to think whatever they want about whatever. Uh, it doesn't mean that you should go on the air with certain things that you think about. Um, and, and we can get into the, the idea of censorship here in a second. But, you know, what, it, what it, it seems to me, having worked in radio for as long as I have, and I think I'm in my 20th year doing radio, is there are certain things that you're like, oh, I know I can stir it up. You know, I can bait people about this. I can go out 
and say something really extreme, and it's going to stir it up. We're going to get calls. We're going to get headlines, and this is going to put me in the forefront, you know, of a lot of, you know, magazines and, and print publications and all that kind of stuff. And so it, it's a really lazy mentality of broadcasting and you're like it's low-hanging fruit and you're like oh i can swat at this and it's going to create a stir and it's going to be good for everybody and it's like now listen i'm doing shows right now and this never even rose to the level of like hey should we talk about this it's like this is what society is right now and you're like yeah you know of, of course if somebody has earned the opportunity like great good for her that she has this opportunity and and if she's earned it you know, and they've decided on, on the bills that, you know, that, that she's earned this this position, then that's their decision and good for her. And, and there should that's where the conversation, in my opinion, should end. And when you start barking about this stuff like Kylie did, then you come across as some guy from literally 100 years ago opposing women getting the vote. And it's like you're such an anachronism right now that, I, to me, when you get the idea of censorship, it's not like, Look, we don't want you to say that because it's bad. Or it's like you're going to sound like a moron, and you're going to make all of us sound like a moron for spewing this kind of garbage. So maybe you shouldn't say this stuff because it really is not going to do you as much good as you might think it should. And as a broadcaster, you have to make an internal edit of like, is the juice really worth the squeeze on this? Maybe I don't agree with this decision, but is it something I really want to go out there with? This is not a huge burning topic for virtually anybody on the airwaves, except it seemed for Kylie, who, again, I felt it was a lazy broadcasting choice to swat at the low-hanging fruit. Yeah, you know, listen, okay, a lot of the radio talent who who become very popular um, in this country and get very large audiences are divisive by nature. Rush Limbaugh is one of them. Bill O'Reilly is another. Um, Hannity is another. Uh, Howard Stern on some level, but I don't. I don't actually think he goes for divisiveness. Actually, he's more inclusive than anything. He just says things that were out of bounds for so long. He talked about sex and he talked about race and he talked about it actually in an inclusive way. Um, but it, they were topics that were barred by the FCC, and so it became titillating on some level. And so he was the first at doing something like that. But people like Rush Limbaugh or O'Reilly or Colin Cowherd, you know, or Skip Bayless, you know, what these guys do, they do very well. It is a talent. They are provocateurs. But I, I think if you step back from the things that they say on a daily basis, I think you can come to realize that they're looking at these things and they're going, what's going to generate the biggest reaction? Right. And Kevin Ky- and, and that's never been my style. I've never been the, I'm going to try to figure out how I can push people's buttons in the most effective manner. And maybe that's why I never had a very large radio audience, because I didn't want to go in a direction like that. And that doesn't mean that every radio artist has to do that, but a lot of them do. And some of the successful ones, particularly in sports radio, will go to places where you have to step back and think, do they really believe this or are they actually saying this because they know it's going to piss people off? Um, and in this case with Kevin Kiley, if he really believes this, I, it's too bad. You know, it's really too bad that he believes these things. And if he doesn't, then shame on him for not backing down and just saying, hey, I was, you know, and not stepping out of character and saying, you know what, you know, I thought this would be a great topic. It turned out not to be a great topic. I took it too far, whatever. Then I guess he didn't want to go that way because that would expose himself as someone who doesn't believe some of the things he says. He's just doing it for ratings or doing it for whatever reason that he's trying to do it. To call censorship to this is a misunderstanding in, yes. in, um, in my view, because what he seems to not understand is he works for an employer. CBS in this particular case who owns this particular station in Cleveland and he is still beholden to their values and if their values aren't from 1945 like Kevin Kiley's apparently is here then they have the right to step up and say you don't represent us here that we're not going to stand for something like that because that is not representative of our beliefs and we are going to give you the forum to speak your mind and have freedom of speech to a degree Because we do not want to be associated with someone who thinks that women don't belong in some workplaces. Yeah, they have the absolute right. They're the employer. And it's not restricting his freedom of speech because, you know what, he can get out and say whatever he wants. And then they have the right, as his employer, to say, yeah, you're not in line with sort of our core principles. So, therefore, we can't have you out there spouting this stuff because it it reflects poorly upon what we want to reflect as our as I said, core principles and who we are as a company. So they have every right in the world to tell Kylie, you know, hey, that, that's not going to fly with us. So for him to say, like, if he's treating this as a First Amendment issue, a freedom it's of not. speech, it's not. 
It's not. This is a employee and an employer relationship, and they do. The employer has the right to say, you can't say that. And as, as a broadcaster, you have to understand what you can say. Now, you can say whatever you want, but you just have to be prepared to face the consequences. That's right. And for him to throw this you know, freedom of speech and censorship, that just clouds the issue. And to me, that's not what it's all about. This is him saying stuff that doesn't fall in line with where we're at as a society and CBS has every right and the local management has every right to be like, what the hell are you doing, man? You, you know, that's, that's not what we're all about. And if you believe that go on your own way, go write a blog, own. do a podcast. You can go do get all a, of that. Do whatever you want. Right. You right. can go to a different place that would be open-minded to that. You can go to the podcasting world where there really is no restriction on your thought. Go ahead. Right. You want to have, you want to have a, no women should listen to this because I think women suck podcast. Go for it, man. Like, you're, you're more than welcome to have something like that, and you might even get an audience with something like yeah, that. Yeah, but but you can't do it under our umbrella because no. we represent something different. And that is not censorship. That's just how it works, okay? So, you know, I, I, I'm disappointed because I think it, it paints the profession that, that we're in as broadcasters, specifically in sports talk radio, it paints us in a really bad light. I think he did some damage yes. to who we are as professionals by this because because people don't know everybody individually. So one guy stands out and does this, and we all get painted with that broad brush of like, oh, yeah, they're all sensationalists, and they all say crap like that, and they're all yes. they're all locker room morons, and they hate women and whatever. And it just I think he did us a, a disservice. And welcome back to Talking Heads. I'm Bram Weinstein in my basement in Connecticut. March 3rd is in Washington, D.C. Let's lighten it up a little bit. <laughs> I had a very serious conversation this week. Yes. Uh, and I'll start with, well, I was in Toronto um, this past well, weekend, before, which was before, before weekend. you get to the Toronto thing, yeah. can I just give you an update on the great Burmese python hunt going on yes. down uh, in the, um, I guess it's the Everglades down in uh, Florida? Okay, this, the, officially the hunt ends today, Okay. Uh, and it's going to take them, and I don't know why, it's going to take them a few weeks to tally the results. There, there's apparently tens of thousands of these Burmese pythons, if you haven't heard us before, that are just roaming wild and killing all the wildlife there. And so these people are going out there to hunt them and kill them. They're not saving them and like, oh, no, they're killing them all. And apparently the tally, as of today, the latest numbers I have, Bram, 91 which beats the last year's total of 68. So we're getting... Well, is that good? Well, there's, as I said, there are tens of thousands of these snakes. So I think we're going to oh. give this round to the Burmese pythons because they're like, we lost 100. Yeah, we lost about 100 guys this past couple of weeks. We still got 10,000 of us, so I think we're winning. We got 50,000 of us. So the snakes... Any dead humans? Uh, no human fatalities that I've seen, but I'm sure there's probably some unreported deaths that, you know... The, there's got to yeah. be. So it's I, I I'm listen I uh, apparently the snakes won right but I want the snakes to win big you know I really I want them to take a couple people out a couple fatties out a couple fatties because I want them to win big because this is ridiculous that we're trying to do this and that and that like there's like rules behind it I want a couple fatties to go right out. yeah that would be good for me so it would be like ninety we, you know humans ninety one snakes too but the snakes still have you know ten thousand or fifty thousand whatever it is. so <laughs> they win yeah they win the snakes yeah, won this round they're just like uh, all that happened was the stupid snakes were taken yeah. out like the other snakes are like I told you idiot to stop <laughs> hanging out. <laughs> Okay, by the fat guys, like you don't like beer, don't wait around, right. you know, don't, don't, don't try to be sneaky, yeah. you know. Yeah. So there you go. That's your great Burmese Python hunt update. Now you were you were in Toronto, so that must have been really cool, man. I went down. I had to go there for a couple of reasons. It's not worth getting into, but I went up there for um, just for a couple of days, and uh, I'd never been there before. It was minus eighteen. Um, I don't know. Have you ever been to Toronto? Have you ever been to this place? I went when I was a kid, and I only remember going to the zoo. And think it was a really great zoo. I must have been like seven or eight years old, so it's Man, been a while. I, what an amazing city. I mean, I didn't get to see a ton of it, and it was you couldn't really go outside. It was just too cold. You're outside for 30 seconds. You're freezing your butt off. Your face starts to peel. But, like, what an incredible—I mean, it felt like a clean New York. It was huge, way bigger than I imagined. Even I knew it was a big city, but I, I never envisioned it as big as it is. It was massive. It was very modern looking, a lot of great architecture. It was beautiful. We had great meals. I, I loved it. And then, you know, NBA All-Star Weekend is always so weird because, like, you know, where else can you go where you'll see 400 people who are 6'8 or taller, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. unbelievable. It's like, you're like, wow. Like, you can't believe you're walking around it. Uh, but I, I had a really fun weekend. I saw Oscar Robertson and Bill Russell and 
um, and all the a bunch of the other all stars there. And then you know I didn't get invited to the Drake House party. I didn't get invited to MJ's birthday party. So I'm a little disappointed about all of that. But Toronto was pretty cool. I for for a first time and for a very short period of time. I come back with a um, uh, everything you hear about them as nice as they are is beyond the truth. I mean, people were so beyond nice to everybody. They've got a lot of really cool free stuff. Like you don't have to pay for the cart to carry your bag at the airport. They just give you that. You know, they're just Canadians are nice. They do nice things. And the exchange rate right now was unbelievable. It was like a dollar was uh, was a dollar fifty in Canadian money. That's nice. So it was it was cheap to be up there too. So that was awesome too. So how's it going? Go eh? Toronto. I love you. How's it going? Eh? Welcome up here to Toronto. Amazing. I mean, amazingly nice. Like uh, people overheard. Uh, I was with someone and, and they overheard us saying, like, what should we do now? And people would stop and give you five to ten minutes of their time explaining where they think you should go and how to get there and draw you maps. I mean, it was and we were sitting there. I mean, it was so funny after one of these exchanges and it happened like three times in 24 hours. I finally turned to this guy I was with and I'm like, I looked at him and I'm like. You know, were you getting impatient with this? Like, like as Americans, it's so telling. We were impatient with the nice guy. Right, be like, okay. We were sitting here going, like, are you done helping us? Right. Are you done helping us? <laughs> All right, jackass, I get it. You want to help? Fine. All it. right, just leave me right. the fuck alone, will you? Did All you right? need to draw the picture of the lake on the map? I know not to go to the lake. I know right. it. You know, and then I catch myself, and I'm like, I am so American. Oh, yeah, sad. we're just like, assholes. I'm just an angry American. Yeah, we are. Yeah, the guy's like, okay, yeah, they serve sort of great flapjacks over here. You want to go there. That's really fun. And then, boy, yeah. that was where I played ball with my dad back in the day. You really want to stop by <laughs> yes, there. Really. In fact, you know what? Why don't you boys come on over? We'll watch the game tonight, and we'll cook you dinner at our house. You're like, what? That's what it was. And I'm like, you don't know how much of an <laughs> asshole I am. I can't believe this. But it was amazing. Like, and I caught myself so many times, and I'm like, wow, wouldn't it be great to have that disposition? I mean, it's just what a better what a better way of life yeah. that is. To just be happy and nice to people. And I'm sitting here going like, and I live in Connecticut, which is pretty placid when it comes to like niceties. <laughs> yeah. But like nobody's that nice oh, yeah. anywhere yeah. in the United States. We're just angry people. Yeah. And so that was a really, that was a very telling thing to be there for 24 hours and go, wow, these people are actually, they live up to the reputation. They're like beyond nice. Yeah. So I'll be back there soon. That was really nice. And I'll, and I'll take a chill pill before I get up there. Right. Calm down. I, I, um, I should point out that I like to think of myself as a fairly nice guy. But if you drive with me, I will say the following phrase at least twice in my commute to and from work. I will murder you and your entire family if you don't get out of my way. That's just that's just me, and I'm an American. I'm an asshole. What can I, I say? Listen, in my core, I think I might be Canadian. I was just sitting there going, you know, I really I relate to this. Like, I actually want to be nice to people, and I actually want to talk to people, and I actually want I to help people. It makes you feel I, great. Been, it's been beaten out of me by the American lifestyle of tell me what I need to know and then get the fuck out of my way. <laughs> Just like and like and then half the time the other person is kind of like, do I have to fucking tell you what you need to know? Don't you already know it, idiot? Like that's the that is basically America. Yeah. You go up there and they're like, oh, let me help you there. And, and like even if you don't need the help, they want to help you. It's amazing, yeah. amazing, amazing culture. I mean, granted, I'm taking yeah, you know, making these judgments in 24 hours, but trust me, just go there for 24 hours, walk around. You'll probably have the same experience I had, which was people going out of their way to be yeah. nice to you, helpful, patient. The patience was what really got it's me. It's not. Waiters were patient. Taxi drivers were patient. People at the hotel check-in were patient. Everybody was patient. In the places where we are so accustomed to people being giant turds, these people were beyond nice and patient with you. It's not like going to Queens. Let's just, not that there's, no. not that there's anything wrong with Queens, but it's no. just a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, like, I was in Springfield the week before, and again, in the Midwest, it's typically a nicer breed of people, you know, in the United States than on the East Coast, where I grew up and lived most of my life. So I was, like, you know, taken aback again, having been out there for a couple of days, at how nice everybody was. But these people got, they're mass murderers compared to Canadians. I mean, like, these people <laughs> up in Canada are, like, so beyond nice, you know, like, you almost can't believe it. You think you're being punked, like, they're so nice to you, like, and, and it's really, it's just... It's it's just so telling about how what terrible dispositions we have as a culture when you go up there and you see how nice people just generally are. Yeah, uh, it makes you realize that we're all just a holes down here. Yeah. So let's bring you back to America. Here's um um the asshole story of the week. Oh my God, this is that and this is from my neck of the woods, the Hartford Current. I'm just gonna read it straight. Um, 
from the paper. This is in Wallingford, which is not far from um, from Hartford, where I live. He said, um, Tyler William Tomer was never diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. He never received cancer treatment, and his hair never fell out. But that's what he told friends and relatives, all while faking radiation and chemotherapy and shaving his head to look like a cancer patient, police said. He also told loved ones he only had six or to nine months to live. He allowed them to hold fundraisers in his name and use the thousands of dollars they earned to eat out, pay for personal expenses, and, quote, party constantly, according to a warrant for his arrest. He even used his bogus condition to convince his then-girlfriend not to break up with him and to promise to marry him. Tomer's ruse was uncovered when multiple people, including an uncle, began complaining to police in May 2015 that he showed no signs of terminal illness, was consuming excessive amounts of alcohol, and stayed out all night. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, what a fucking scumbag. I mean, are you going bald? It can't work, though. It can't work because you're not going to die. Right. Yeah. You, you have to die for this to work, and he's not going to die. Right. You either got to have, I mean, what's your exit plan? I mean, you're going to fake your own death or be like, no, it's miraculous. The doctors uh, have no idea what happened, but I'm 100% cured. Yeah, it's complete remission, and I'm I'm good to go. But thank you guys for all your support. I wouldn't be alive without, I mean, everybody's going to be like, okay, first of all, it doesn't look like your hair's falling out. It looks like you're shaving your head because you have razor cuts on the top of your head. And secondly, I think I saw you boozing your ass off and then hitting a diner at 4.30 in the morning. What the hell's going on with you? This is crazy. He collected over $22,000 oh. in fabricated money that people raised for him either through like Kickstarter funds or fund me funds or parties that they threw, you know, in to raise money for his help. And it says this the story goes on to say the money was supposed to be used to help cover Tomer's medical bills, but was instead used for over 100 purchases at fast food restaurants, chain restaurants, bars and other various recreational activity locations. I mean, what a tool. <laughs> and doesn't it say in the copy that it was like an uncle that sort of caught wind of it yeah. first? He was like, the uncle's like, you're not going to die. I can tell people are going to die. <laughs> you're not, not going to die. Right, you fact, don't look like anything you're, close. You're gaining die. weight, you little bag of shit. And then what he do? He would do shit. Be like, yeah, we're going to go to this. We're going to go to, you know, Boston, this great the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. But you guys wait here. Wait here. No, 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 no. No, no. I don't want you to see me go through this. You just wait in the, wait in the, in the restaurant. I'll come down in a few hours. And then he would probably just go to like a hotel. Excuse me, a hotel room, and, and and just take a nap or whatever. He'd go for a walk and come back and be like, "Yep, cancer treatment's all done, mom and dad. Yep, I'm good. Yep. I'm a little worn out, so you know I'm gonna go, you know, lay down. But then you know I'll be good to go in a couple hours." What a I mean, you and I no no one likes stupid criminals more than us. And I mean yes. I'm not even sure that this this is it criminal. I guess it. I mean oh it is. yeah you know, yeah clearly, oh, clearly it's, it's criminal. Yeah. But like I'm not. Did he think through that he would raise the money or did he just? want to say that for some other reason and then it went too far type of thing i'm not sure where it is you know like like a he's gonna tell people he's gonna die because he, he doesn't want to deal with them and then all of a sudden they're like oh my god and they start raising money for him then what's he gonna do he has to take it yeah i but i mean he didn't have to take it to burger king yeah you know <laughs> i mean the the line of defense is he got caught up in something it got it all got went farther than he thought it would and he didn't know how to get out like some bad movie it's like i told this lie and then how do i get out of this now you know but apparently he had like some kind of headache or something like that and his yeah. you know and then he just like but I, he was treated for it and they told him it was not cancer right so he didn't he didn't think he had that. right didn't they know he admitted to police he knew he didn't have cancer. right and didn't he like his girlfriend was gonna break up with him and then she yeah. didn't i mean this guy's just a bag of shit i swear yeah. and by the way i want to be in that cell when he's going to go, what are you in for? Uh, I faked having cancer. and just, uh, I faked having cancer. <laughs> I got 20 grand mm -hmm. from all these strangers who wanted to help me yep. live. Got 20 grand yeah. out of it. 20 grand. Yeah. There's, uh, so I got the punishment for him. What's that? Um, Roy Jones Jr. <laughs> is willing to give $100,000 to anybody who, who claims they can get into a ring with him and fight him. And Roy Jones Jr. is 47. Yeah. Right? And this is a real thing. It's going to be on pay-per-view like in March. Like if you are willing to get into the ring with Roy Jones, you have to Jr., knock him out. Over champion of the you world, you got to knock him you out. Got it. You, you got to beat him. Right. You got to beat him. If you beat him, you get a hundred grand. If he beats you, you just walk out of there beaten up. Yeah. That's it. You get nothing else. So he is offering the chance of a fan to come in, and it's, I guess it's going to be hand picked. So I would like to offer up um, fake cancer kid, just as that really should be his punishment because there's no chance that guy would beat Roy Jones Jr. and he deserves the beating that he would get. Well, if if he does not have to fight Roy Jones Jr., he should certainly be on the undercard, and it should be. And and at that point, I would want you know real uh, Rousey. Yeah, I would I Rousey, Rousey be like, yo, yeah, <laughs> Rousey, yeah, here you go, break his arm. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, like Turtle in the movie Entourage, just freaking take him down in like 30 seconds. Um, from where I sit, 
honestly, a hundred grand if you knock out Roy Jones Jr. That's not enough. That's not enough. This no. guy, I don't care if he's forty-seven. It's Roy Jones Jr. No. He will knock the shit out of you. You should get at least a million. At least. Look, if you're some guy who who can, you better be able to fake that you're not as good at boxing as because he's not hand picking somebody who, oh, who yeah. looks like he could be. No, he's there's no like he's not picking the guy who's been training for MMA for the last. 15 years like he's not picking that guy right he's picking someone who looks like an average person so if you're submitting a tape for this you better be able to play down how good you are because there's just absolutely no way that he's putting anybody in there who's a lot younger than him and trains really hard so you better look like a tomato can yeah you, you better if i if and then even in that point but to your point 100 grand's not enough because it's not like you're gonna walk in there and beat him in 15 seconds he's gonna hit you in the face multiple times yeah He's, he wants to show everybody, I don't care if I'm 47, this is what means being a professional boxer means, and you're just a civilian, and let me demonstrate that for everybody right now. No, you don't, I mean, listen, there's a reason why I'm not putting a tape in, because he'd see me and be like, yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy I want. Yeah, the skinny little white guy, yeah, I want to get a ring with him, because he would hit me so hard, I would start crying. I literally would. I don't see this going well, do you? Oh, no. I don't no, see it going well. No. I think either way it looks bad. Like, if Roy Jones actually loses... It's going to be like, what? And then if he just beats to a pulp some amateur, you're going to be like, boy, you owe him a little more than 100 grand. Like, Yeah. Like, and, and the deal is you don't get it if he beats you up. I saw this. So it's just kind of like, get the hell out of here. I just beat you up. I saw this. You know the sports junkies down here in D.C. Yeah. The longtime morning show uh, on radio here. One of the guys, I can't remember which one. It was like It's like three or four guys on the show. And one of the guys wanted to box and so he boxed a professional guy and I actually went to see this fight because I was watching oh, the, yeah I was and I was watching like the main draw but this was like the undercard and the boxer like the professional he was like not messing around he's like I want to show everyone what it means to be a professional fighter yeah and there was a lot of running around and and eventually it was like a TKO but it was like wow you know, and well, the radio host didn't win, right? No, God, win. no, 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 no. The professional yeah, yeah. won, and the professional was just like, like, just stalking him around the ring. It was like how Tyson used to follow a guy running around, going like, yeah. ah, ah, throw the towel in. What are we doing here? Like, it was just like, and you see the difference between a guy who's a professional fighter, and there is an art and a skill to that. That's not just like, I had too many drinks at the bar. I'm gonna kick your ass, Jack. I mean, it's like a whole art and skill to this thing, yeah. and. You know, man, I, I, 100 grand is not nearly enough to get in the ring with Roy Jones Jr. No, not close. No. Nope. No. Not close. 100 grand. I mean, I, I wouldn't fight him either way. But, like, if you put a million on the line, I, you know, I'd think about training and, and just see. You know, I'd, I'd go in, see a trainer, talk about it. You know, we'll see. 100 grand, I'm going, no, the injuries are going to cost too much to well, fix. Well, yeah. If, you know, even, even if I did win, the injuries are going to cost too much to fix. I would say, if I was going to go, I'd say, all right, a million if I knock him out, but I want five hundred grand just for getting in a ring with him, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, he's not going to put he's not going to put anybody who's had real training in with him, right? So right. they don't actually know what it's like to get hit by someone like him. I can't. Uh. They've never felt that before, and I'm telling you, that first punch is going to knock somebody out so fast, or they're going to be so scared that they're not going to come anywhere near him after that. Yeah, I, I mean, he could hit me in, in my arm. Like I could turn, and he could just hit me in my like left arm. Ow. Right, and I. Stop ah, it. Ow! Ah. <laughs> Why she hit it. me? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not doing that. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we're done here. We've caused enough damage this week. <laughs> See ya.